because Latina is such a Latin American term mm-hmm. that it was created in Latin America. Latinx is comes from the academy, comes from the academia. Mm-hmm. But, like, how do you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Like, are we gonna <laughs> pronounce this in Spanish and English and yeah. Spanglish? Right. Like, and there's no consistency around that either. So it's just so much like those aren't the real battle. Mm-hmm. Like to me, like right. I need you to take this energy around Latinx and remorphize it and to put it towards the U.S. imperialist system that caused a lot of the immigration of all of a lot of our diasporas, mm-hmm. first of all, put it to the colonizer. Wagwan podcast fam, this is Donovan and welcome to another episode of Stranger Fruit. We are so happy that you are here to listen to the second installment of our three-part series exploring Latinidad. If you don't already know, Stranger Fruit is a -a one-of-a-kind video podcast experience where you get premium seats to the most unfiltered, thought-provoking conversations featuring brilliant young minds from the black and brown diaspora. We discuss and debate an array of fascinating topics from politics and race to pop culture, media, and the music that moves us. We may not always agree, but we are firm believers that conflict and compassion are a great recipe for empathy. Now, if you find yourself wanting to put a face to these names and voices, you can find us on YouTube in all our Technicolor glory. That's right. I hope y'all are enjoying the episodes we're putting out so far. Hola, mi gente. I'm Constanza Eliana, and you already got a tiny taste of today's episode topic where we asked our Latino panel, what makes you Latino enough? As Donovan mentioned, this is part two of the discussion, so if you missed part one, please go back and check that one out. In this conversation, we unpack Latinidad. For those of you who aren't very familiar or aren't from Latin America, Latinidad is more so of a concept than an actual identity. So let's break it down real quick. It's the idea that people from Latin America must fully be signed onto and fully immersed in the concept of being one people, one culture. It's the idea that we have shared similarities that have been molded by and acquired through European colonization. So as you might imagine, that is very complicated and a very nuanced concept. And it's one our people are currently battling, hence why we're having today's conversation. Indeed, yes it is. And I love being a fly on the wall. This series has been extremely enlightening so far. We believe it is important we take the time to understand people's lives and experiences to gain a better understanding of how identity shapes a person's perspective and reality. Now, with that being said, remember, opinions are not facts. So as you're listening to today's episode, keep that in mind. We encourage you to do your own research. As a reminder, this panel is very racially diverse. Michelle identifies as a Black queer Latina. Jose is a non-binary brown Latino. And Daisy is our resident Blanquita Chola. So we were really able to cover a lot in this conversation. So let's get into today's discussion of the nuance of Latinidad and the queer identity, whether or not Latinx is truly inclusive. And just a heads up listeners, we do at times speak in Spanish in this episode. So if you would like to see the translation of what's being said, go check out the video version on our YouTube channel. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Stranger Fruit. My name is Constanza Eliana. I am so excited to be in the studio here in Los Angeles again with my beautiful panelists today. We are talking about 
what it means to be Latino enough. This is a conversation that I'm seeing a lot on Instagram in particular, but really all over TikTok, mm -hmm. Instagram, YouTube is all over this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very much a topic for diaspora kids, right? Like people who live outside of their home countries, outside of Latin America or Caribe, we have a very particular experience living outside of our home country. So I really wanted to have this conversation today. I'm so excited that y'all are here. I'm going to introduce our panelists for you today. We have Jose Richard Aviles. He is an artist and urban planner, born and raised in South Central LA, and the host of Fruta Fresca podcast and your favorite, Tia Desmadrosa. <laughs> Welcome. We also have Michelle Morales. She is a bilingual school psychologist and creative healing artist who utilizes movement as a tool for healing and self-empowerment. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. And we have Daisy Romero. She is an entrepreneur based out of San Diego and Tijuana, Mexico, and the founder of accessories brand El Cholos Kid. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so I definitely wanted to get the conversation started around really Latinidad because that's kind of what it boils down to, right? Mm -hmm. Are you Latino enough if you don't speak Spanish? Are you Latino enough if you're a certain skin tone? Are you Latino enough if whatever, name your thing. So Latinidad is something that I think a lot of us are really questioning right now. I think it means different things to different people. I think there's racial connotations to it. I think there's xenophobic connotations to it. And we're all just trying to figure out, is this the best term that defines us as an identity, as a people, as a culture? So, Jose, I wanted to start with you. <laughs> okay, que fuerte, que fuerte. Yeah, I wanted to start with you, like... Is Latinidad something that you really identify with or do you think that it's just not giving what it was supposed to give? Yeah, no, I think that's a very real question, especially in this time and place and the ways that we've also been racialized, right? Because one, we know that human races do not exist, in fact, but we have also racialized bodies and racialized yeah. people. Um, do I use Latinidad? Not really. I think I use more brown as an identity because it's, it's the melanin that I see reflected in my skin and it's what I know. And with all of the colorism and anti-brownness rooted in anti-blackness that is stemmed in our communities, that I'm like, that's what I know. Like, I know what it's to be called Moreno, or what it's be called to be called Prieto, right? Mm -hmm. Or what it's to be like, you need to wear more sunblock so you don't get more brown or more right. dark. So I understand all of that. And I think because that is the oppression that lives close in my body, it's the only one that I know how to name as a form of reclaiming it. So I don't use Latinidad. I feel that as I've, as I've traveled back to particularly Mexico, so I am a putaco. <laughs> but as I've been going back to my Tacolandia, right, to Mexico, and noticing how much my identity also fluctuates being in Mexico has been interesting. Yeah. So I know I don't use the word Latinidad or Latino or Latinx or Latinequis or Latinx, yeah. whatever. The Latinx. Because <laughs> I'm like, people be mispronouncing the word. I'm like, girl, you know it's not Latinx. Like, what? how are you trying to pronounce it? It's Latinx, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mostly use brown. Yeah. 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 So I identify as a queer brown person. Yeah. Um, Michelle, same question. How, what's your relationship to Latinidad? When it comes to Latinidad, I, well, I identify as Afro-Latina or Black Latina. Mm -hmm. And I want to be honest that I 
Usually I will use these words interchangeably depending on the environment that I'm in, especially because my mom identifies differently. For instance, there's like, you know, no somos, no somos hispanos, like mm. we're not Hispanic. It's something that I often hear, but when I grew up, my mom was like, no, we're Hispanic. I am confused too. In fact, I thought the term Hispanic was played out and offensive. When I did my research, I found that Hispanic refers to those from Spanish-speaking countries. And fun fact, y'all, that includes Equatorial Guinea. But this term is being criticized for censoring Spain, which colonized all Spanish-speaking countries. Eliana, were these terms ever confusing to you? Absolutely. When I moved to the U.S. from Puerto Rico, I was so confused when I was called Hispanic, but it was explained to me that that's how I should identify myself. And of course, at a young age, you just kind of go with it. But as I grew up, I realized that this is just another term created by American institutions to center our colonizer and lump us all together. It honestly feels like a dehumanizing term because as somebody who is constantly called spick by racists and bigots for simply just existing in this country, Hispanic feels like a slap in the face. And I know that there are many in our community that don't feel that way. And there's obviously a lot of reasons for that. But for me and many others who have been traumatized by this term and have worked really hard to decolonize from it, it is offensive to me to be called Hispanic personally. It also has a lot to do with erasure too, the erasure of black and indigenous Latinos specifically. The US census, for example, is notorious for collecting inaccurate statistics on the Latin population because of their lack of racial understanding. Anytime I see quote unquote Hispanic statistics, I actually give a little bit of an eye roll because it excludes so many from our communities. But change is difficult, it's slow, we still have a Hispanic caucus in Congress and Hispanic grants and organizations, which despite their good intentions are still very, very exclusive. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, let's pick the conversation back up with Michelle. So for me, it's been like, what does it mean for me to be with the contradiction of it all right. and where am I at? Where is my integrity yeah. at with my family, with myself, with the people that I serve? I do primarily serve the black and brown community as a school psychologist. And so I try to be present with what I make a priority is relating to myself in ways that are more loving and that where I value myself, right? Because we've been conditioned to not based on our color of skin. Yeah. And so for me, the challenge has been where am I at with my relationship with myself? And then where am I at in regarding another when they have a difference of identity that I don't agree with? Mm -hmm. What is my responsibility here? So that's really what I think about with Latinidad. Like I have a lot of friends who identify with Latinidad. Mm -hmm. And it's been both like harmful, hurtful. And then also at the same time, I love, you know, like yeah. I love my friends. I love my community. And so what I've focused on is the ways that keep me connected to them. Um, which is usually through movement, mm -hmm. um, is how I focus on relating to difference and being with and bringing my voice mm -hmm. in conversation with them, fighting with them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I've noticed primarily is, oh, they're okay with me. I've engaged with my responsibility in what they have. But once I bring mm -hmm. my difference or once I bring my it's experience as a Black woman, it's a different story. Mm -hmm. And that's been, I mean, I even get emotional as I talk about it because that's been the toughest part in choosing love or choosing connection. Yeah. Where I have to distance and reevaluate and see, like, where am I at? Or this is never going to go away. So I feel this anguish or this desperation of, like, 
where are we going mm-hmm. as a human race? Like, mm-hmm. what's happening here? You know, so I get very curious about those things because I do care about creating something new. And so I, I do, in my experience, and also when I'm like in community, I have to ask, like, what am I committed to here in this moment? Yeah. You know, like, I'm just going to away. <laughs> I got you. Or if we're like engaging in the conversation of Latinidad, what does it mean for me to engage mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. Is this going to serve me? Am I going to have fun, mm-hmm. you know, in the difference, in the tension that comes up? If I'm not, because there might be more ignorance in the room, and I don't mean that as like a demeaning way, but just more ignorance where they right. can't be with what I bring and mm-hmm. I can already smell that, mm-hmm. then I'm just like, nah, mm-hmm. no, I need to choose. I need to choose where. Yeah. So that's my relationship with Latinidad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Daisy? I think I've always, it's been like you're Latina, but it's been very specific to me because I'm, I've just always been Mexican, Mm. you know, Mm. I'm not part anything. I'm just Mexican and Mm -hmm. I've always lived by the border. So it's like a very specific culture. And I tell people like even an L.A. Latino versus a border Latino, it's a completely different experience Mm -hmm. because I don't go back to Mexico. I'm just there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So border people, it's just, you know. I'm in Tijuana every single day. I mean, part of my business is there, but also I have lunch in Tijuana every day. I'm like back and forth, back and forth. So it's like, that's always been my identity. So I didn't get, I haven't really had the opportunity to be like, there's no one here that I identify with, mm-hmm. at least growing up, obviously as an adult that you go away to college and this and that, but okay. growing up, my formative years have always been like, you're surrounded by Mexicans and you're Mexican. Right. It's like, but, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, no, yeah. it's just like, this is what it is. <laughs> But the thing with me that maybe was a little different is that sometimes because I moved schools a lot, maybe, you know, being the new kid and people don't maybe don't really know. I have had the experience of people talking about you in Spanish and Mm -hmm. thinking you don't understand because Mm. of the way you look or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was always a very quiet kid or whatever, but I would have people speaking about me in Spanish thinking Mm. like I'm half Asian in elementary school or middle school would be like. Oh, I thought you were half mm-hmm. Japanese or I thought yeah. you were half like whatever. It's whatever I mean, they perceive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. upon moving, but afterwards. But I didn't feel lost in that way because mm-hmm. I was always spending all summers in Mexico, all Christmas, helping my grandmother tortilleria, pesando mm-hmm. tamal and tamales mm-hmm. and, you know, selling like this and that. So you were like immersed in that. I culture. was immersed in it. Yeah. So when, and when you're literal, it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> back and forth but now it's you know yeah there's that connection there that no one on tiktok is going to break mm-hmm. with their ridiculous comment because <laughs> i grew up in it and i'm not mm-hmm. going to respond to your nonsense yeah mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah i think what i'm seeing a lot of the conversation being is really that sense of ignorance like i think latinos are really stereotyped in a lot of ways And I was talking to the producers of the show as we were putting this together. And even when they were asking me questions of like, oh, you know, like, ask about this and ask about that. Like, what does this mean? And how does this translate? I think, you know, when I was telling them, like, most Americans, we'll just stick to America for now. (laughs) Most Americans have a very particular look and stereotype of what a Latino is, right? Mm. Most of the time it's like my skin tone, light skin, brown, maybe curly hair, maybe straight hair. And there's not, they don't really have a lot of room for the in-between, right? They don't have a lot of room for the gray. They don't have a lot of room for like all of the skin tones that we are and all of the racialized identities that we are. 
Okay, yes, Americans are obsessed with race. It's really despicable. And even research institutions get it wrong because we looked up a Pew Research study on Latines and they still lump Hispanic and Latinos as the same thing. But here's what they found. Of the Latines in the study done, and we should note these are Latines living in the US, 58% identify racially as white, 27% identify as some other race, and 2% identify as black. Eliana, why do you think this is? So many reasons, Donovan. Okay, first, we have to remember that race in the States is not the same as race in Latin America, although they definitely have similarities. For some of us, proximity to whiteness in the U.S. has been a part of the American assimilation process. The U.S. Census, for example, has changed our racial identity box so many times throughout the last 100 years plus and beyond, classifying us first as other, then as white, then back to other, and then back to white. It's truly been a mess. And while Latinos are absolutely and can be racially white due to European colonization or interracial and cross-cultural marriages, Many of us are black and brown, but have not been taught by our culture to really embrace our melanated skin or to embrace the nuances of our racialized experiences and feel forced to fit into a box. For some of us, that means checking off the white box on studies and questionnaires. And that's why we are doing the show. Funny story, my husband filled out the last census for us while I was away. And because there wasn't a proper race box for me, he thought it was perfectly fine to fill in the white box for me. I was so upset. It's fascinating. I learned about the nuances of race and Latino culture over the years from conversations and keeping my ears to the streets, but American media has made sure to keep us thinking all Latinos look like Sofia Vergara, okay? But I digress. Let's jump back in as you and the panelists dive into the term of contention, Latinx. And all the connotations that come with that. And so many people the rage fight. The elicits in the comments. Yes, people <laughs> fight over this term, right? Right. And I want to ask, you know, Michelle and Jose, you are queer. You identify as queer. You are very proud of being queer. And this whole conversation around the term Latinx, whether it is inclusive or exclusive, should we use Latine? Should we stick to just Latin? What is this? What? Why do you think this is such a contentious term? <laughs> to be Decide real, <laughs> to be real, I think it stemmed in the fact that we, as as like a brown and all plus, brown plus one, I guess um, <laughs> diaspora, we there is a yearning for belonging, mm -hmm. right? Because we don't know necessarily. I mean, in so many cases, colonizations, at least in the context of Mexico, fifteen twenty one, and even prior to that, right? But like, I think about how there's this yearning to belong, and then you add immigration to that, whether you are first generation or you know recent arrival. But there's all this constant need to belonging, and I think we still haven't figured that out as a as a diaspora for one. And I think also my favorite, well, not my favorite, but I think the funniest thing is that the folks who are the most mad about Latinx, which was a term that was created to be more inclusive of gender, are straight people. And I'm like, <laughs> what is it even about you? Right? And I think for me, I also am a firm believer of like, I don't appreciate council culture because it doesn't allow for nuance of relationships. Like I use they, them pronouns, but my mom calls me son and he, him, and I'm not going to cancel my mom. Mm -hmm. Like I know the relationship I have with my mother. I know that she is nurturing a femme spirit when she brings 
braids my hair and makes mm. trenzas. Or when she gets a bunch of face masks and saves all the floral ones for me. Mm. Like, she is seeing the queer spirit that I am. So if you call me he, him, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I use that, I think, the same way to apply to the term Latinx and the constant discourse. Like, I know who I am, girl. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm cool. Like, you know, what's up? Call me tia, call me tio, desmadre, lover, lo que quieras. Mm-hmm. But so I'm not offended by by someone who will call me Latino or Latina. Like, there's a way to play with gender in that regard, I think. Mm-hmm. In terms to Latine, I'm a little mindful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the only reason I say that is because Latina is such a Latin American term mm-hmm. that it was created in Latin America. Latinx is, comes from the ac- academy, comes from the academia. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment in time where folks were spelling Latino, but with the at sign, right? Arroba, because they had the A and the O. So it was like, so there's been different morphologies of the term. It's evolved a lot. It's evolved a lot. Yeah. And I just, and I've always, again, we were making a joke offline, but <laughs> like, how do you pronounce it? Like, it's like, are we going to pronounce this in Spanish and English and yeah. Spanglish? Right. Like, and there's no consistency around that either. So it's just so much like, those aren't the real battles. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, like, right. I need you to take this energy around Latinx and remorphous it and port it towards the U.S. imperialist system that caused a lot of the immigration of all of a lot of our diasporas, mm-hmm. first of all, put it to the, co- the colonizer. I think more of Latinx more than an identity as a political project, mm-hmm. um, but I'm learning to identify what is part of that politic. So, yeah, I, I, again, and again, I'm mindful of Latine because of coming from Latin America, I don't want to be a neo-colonizer and be like, oh, cute, adopt. Because mm-hmm. that's so easy to do. <laughs> you know is. what I mean? I definitely use Latine um, in 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 Mexico mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. because again, I I think what we don't talk about is I'm taking a class right now called Racismo y Xenofobia en el Contexto Mexicano, which is a, a certificate program through La UNAM. And one of the cool things that came out of that conversation was that we cannot talk about racism in the singular form, that we have to talk about it in the plural form. Mm-hmm. Because what we're mistaking is racialization with racism. Yes. And racialization is the ideology that human races exist and that they're different. Racialism is then taking these differences and adding hierarchy to Yes, caste. Caste. Mm-hmm. And then the racism is a practice to maintain the hierarchy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different concepts. And I say that to say that, like, for example, one of the biggest lessons that I've had to learn through these different trips to Mexico has been that the identities of my person only a- apply to the sociology of America. Mm-hmm. So when I go, so I know who I am as a queer person of color in the U.S., but I still am learning who I am as Moreno and Ajota in Mexico because mm-hmm. it's a different sociology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have to learn that. And I think the through line of it all, though, is queerness. Yeah. Because the queerness has made it consistent across the countries. Mm-hmm. And so it's been super cute to find a new sense of identity, but start within the queerness of it all. So I can mm-hmm. be a jota in true fashion in the same way that I'm a queer person here because it's so the same and yet different. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, people are just spending energy like, girl, there's bigger battles that yeah, right. like, are People are being displaced and yeah. gentrification <laughs> and inflation. Like, like, there's bigger things to worry 100%. about. 100%. Yeah. And, per- and I love that you said that because personally, just linguistically, I use Latine. Just because it's easier for our people to understand 100. in Spanish. And then it's also easier for Americans to understand in English. Like mm. Latine is not, it's meant to be less gendered. Mm. And our colonial languages, whether it's English, Spanish, Portuguese, whatever, they are gendered. 
And so if you want to be much more inclusive and make a statement, which really is what Latinx is, it's to make a statement, to get people to open up, to say, hey, there is more than just our gendered lives. There are people outside of these like traditional norms that we have created that deserve just as much respect as everybody else. But because people get so hung up on like, but how do you say it? And it's not inclusive and it blah, blah, blah. Then it, we miss the point mm -hmm. totally, completely. Mm -hmm. Michelle, I want to ask you the same question. Like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this and being somebody who is queer, who is Latine, Latinx, whatever term you decide to use, what does that mean to you? I feel like right now as you were speaking, Jose, I was thinking, and as I was hearing you speak to Eliana, I was thinking like, where, where have I been at, you know, with all of this? Because I don't dive in in the ways where, like, I'm learning a lot from even hearing you. I am noticing that I am kind of like in, um, what does it mean to survive and live in a world that keeps changing mm -hmm. these identities? So I'm really observing and I'm a witness. And also because I work with the black and brown communities, I listen mm -hmm. and, and that's all I really have. So I feel basic, but not, you know, like, <laughs> like I feel like, oh, I'm pretty basic, you know, but I'm also like, but I care. I care about the people first. I care about the soul, the human first. And I don't want any of my ideas of identity to get in the way of me supporting, to get in the way of me relating, to get away in the way of me connecting and loving. And so I pay attention to what is, to what is true. What is, what is impacting us? What does this mean? politically I'm just listening and moving mm -hmm. so I don't I don't have that I have like a lot on that on those terms because I'm just like really being and living yeah and I actually do get pretty annoyed um let's be and real. I'm not and I'm not interested yeah um, I'm not interested in spending my energy there I have better things to do with my time and with my than energy. to argue about Latinx. <laughs> Especially because it rarely yeah. includes Black folk. Yeah. And so I'm not interested. I'm interested in like, what does it mean for me to be free? Yeah. What does it mean for me to be not only free and, and live and like see the beauty of life, right? Because there's like these conversations that take place like on social media, but it's also very distracting. Mm -hmm. Distracting from our own pain distracting from our own grief, distracting from from taking responsibility and building those connections and looking beyond the social constructs that we were born into and still agree to follow. Mm -hmm. And so I pay attention to that because that is the only way I can stay alive and want to stay on this earth is by <laughs> like, what does it mean to be like, you know, like to be with? There's impact, there, um, there's a lack of resources and it depends on our identities and how we've been identified. And then there's like, we're human and there's more, there's more to life. Yeah. And so, yeah, quite frankly, I haven't been interested. I just watch, mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't forget. Watch the popcorn. <laughs> like what's happening here? What's happening? Or I get annoyed <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they're missing. They're yeah. missing what matters. Yeah. They're missing what matters. They're not talking about the real thing. And I think there was a post that was going around. I forget the actor's name, but he was kind of saying, basically dismissing Latinx completely and just being like, it doesn't make sense. It's not like none of my family understands how to use, like, that's not a term. It's an American term. And um, I had placed in the comments, like, they are correct in the sense of the language that 
because if you aren't from a country, in particular Mexico, where the X is constantly used in a in a specific way linguistically, like in Taino, that's not a thing. Like in, in El Caribe, we don't really use the X that much. Mm -hmm. And we don't pronounce it in the same way. And so Latine makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of other countries, it makes more sense. So in that way, I kind of understand. But to completely dismiss the origins of it, mm -hmm. I think, are what's what people are steering away from. They're mm -hmm. just thinking like, oh, this is a gringo-based term. Mm -hmm. Whether they're right or wrong doesn't matter. It's more so about the... The wanting to be inclusive mm -hmm. really pisses straight people off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it mm -hmm. really does. Mm -hmm. And in particular in our cultura where machismo is so fucking prevalent, mm -hmm. it's really difficult to get people in particular a certain type of mindset mm -hmm. to just like start embracing that, hey, there are other genders other than just you and your heterism. <laughs> yeah, that is something that sticks out to me every time because I do feel the disconnect, mm -hmm. you know? And when I think about these things, when I hear someone bring up their identity or even when I see a straight person get upset, I like to just get curious. And if I'm too triggered, then I just have to step away. Yeah. Because um, it's... it's um, Yeah. We can be spicy. It can be very spicy. And when we think we're right and we're actually wrong... We don't like it very much. Yeah. <laughs> Making space to learn. Yeah. And to listen like, oh, that's what you have. You know, like that's that not like that's cool. Like it's just yeah. more like, oh, OK. Instead of me having an idea of how you should identify or what you should. I know that there's like such a close like a closed off approach to queerness. Yeah. In the heterosexual community. And that feels scary. That feels dangerous to me. The, to engage in conversation, I feel like I have a lot of PTSD around being Black and queer. And yeah. so I'm still learning what it means to be in conversation in ways that feel safe to me. Mm -hmm. Or to be, you know, in a chisme, you know, for yeah. fun, to just learn. Like, it's I still experience like a, oh, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. like, I don't even know what that means to you and I don't want to know. But I'm still, like, owning and feeling safe in what it means to be Black and queer. Yeah. Yeah. So we did talk a little bit about like the racialized component of Latinidad. As I mentioned earlier, we kind of represent all different skin tones, all different racialized identities. And that was really important to me for this episode because, again, I feel like we are so stereotyped and there's so much xenophobia around Latinos in general in the United States in particular that it was really important for me to have as many <laughs> people that actually represent our countries. That's it for us today, mi gente, but there is one more part left in the series on what it means to be Latino enough. So please be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening from so that you don't miss the next episode. This series is sickening. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, Eliana. For those of you listening, don't forget to follow us on social media at The Stranger Fruit and let us know what you thought of today's conversation. <laughs> We love hearing from you. Many people don't know that the podcast algorithm favors those with a high amount of reviews. So be sure to show your support for our show by leaving us a five-star review and help us get in good favor with the algorithm gods. Until next time, peace. Peace.